Welcome to Making Your Miles Count Production, an educational program to all Canadian lease owner-operators with your host, Robert Scaper. Chapter 6, Finding a Good Accountant. I guess right up front I have, to, I have a conflict of interest. I have an accounting firm for independent operators, so I'd be steering a little bit uh, biased. But I'll try and be as objective as I can. I think the first thing to remember about being an independent operator is that uh, the independent operator in the accounting industry is basically low-paying freight. We're not really high-paying. Uh, there's not big margins. It's a labor-intensive, low-margin industry. Anybody, any accountant that wants to have a high earnings or higher earnings, they may have a few truckers, but realistically, where they, they make their money uh, is in other industries. It's not, uh, not in the trucking industry. And we have to respect that. I think if they would start charging more than, say, $2,500 a year or something like that, we wouldn't be able to afford it, or independent operators wouldn't be able to afford it. It's not really fair for the industry. And so that's why a lot of, uh, a lot of independent operators get their taxes done, not from a designated CPA. There are two different types of uh, tax preparers, a designated accountant, like a CPA. Uh, there's different types of CPAs, but I'll just use the word CPA, a certified public accountant, and somebody who's not designated. Both of them can be fully qualified to do it. Canada Revenue Agency has doesn't care at all who completes it. Um, it's irrelevant to them. But in the end, let's talk a little bit about designated accountants. Is there an actual need for it and why exactly there is a designation uh, for, for that? I think maybe where we can start is, like I said, back in 2005 or six, 20% of the uh, independent operators were incorporated, incorporated and 80% were not. They were self-employed. The majority of truck drivers uh, weren't incorporated and their accounting fees were actually pretty low then, whatever, mm -hmm. $500, $800, $1,000, whatever it was. When it goes to incorporated, there's an assumption that uh, you need a CPA to do a corporate account. And that assumption comes from two sources. One is CPAs. Mm -hmm. CPAs think that uh, only CPAs can do it, not all of them, but that's the assumption, but also from bankers and mm -hmm. financing companies. And that's where it's a little bit, it's inconsistent all across Canada, even among banks. Um, the reason why people imply that you need a CPA to complete a corporate bank account is a bank may require it. Now, charter banks, all six or seven charter banks that uh, Canada has, uh, on their regulations, they say any corporate client has to have their returns with a notice to reader and the notice to reader can actually only be done by a cpa a notice to reader is kind of like the the cover page or the introductory yeah uh, and, but letter that yeah. goes with the tax or with the financial statements almost all notice to readers it takes no liability no nothing it's just like we reviews this and this is uh, it, with the documents we don't guarantee anything and that's it mm -hmm. so mm. It, it helps absolutely nothing because they're not taking responsibility for anything. In the end, it, then it comes down to the loans officer or the branch, how diligent are they with getting that document from the mm -hmm. uh, uh, independent operator? 
depending on what province you are in Canada, um, they're more enthusiastic of, of doing it. Say, for instance, Ontario might have a much higher request by the banks to uh, submit that. But other places, they haven't asked for it for years, you know, like it's hardly ever asked for. It's not consistently applied all around. And sometimes you can get a branch that gets a new loans off or a new branch manager. And, uh, you know, before everybody was asking, then suddenly they don't ask or the other way around. So it's, it's very inconsistently applied. But from a practical perspective, because an independent operator uh, signs for the uh, personally guarantees the loan, the actual practical need for it is it's not there. It's really not. It's just a bureaucratic request and you could photocopy something, send it in, whatever. And realistically, it provides the bank no more or less information or, or guarantee or anything. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost useless because of that personal guarantee. They didn't ask for it when they were self-employed, but they asked for it exact same business mm -hmm. when it's corporate. It doesn't make sense. And uh, a good loans officer understands that. They realize that, listen, this guy's personally guaranteed it. It doesn't help anything mm -hmm. to, to get these documents. And the, and the problem is, or the implication is a CPA's notice to reader is valued at hundreds of dollars. So the independent operator has to pay for something that is, brings them zero value, brings nobody any, any value. That's the general, general feel on it. And realistically, in my opinion, banks all across Canada should just drop that requirement. If you've personally guaranteed mm -hmm. anything, it doesn't make any difference. Now, if there's other industries, like uh, even if you have your own running rights and it's a carrier and the carrier goes to the bank and uh, gets a line of credit for the operation of the business, well, then you need something from an, an accountant verifying the cash flow and the values and stuff like Correct. that. Then it's really <clears throat> important to, to get that. Or for instance, if you're in the land development industry and to verify the, the accuracy of, uh, of what you're doing, if you're borrowing an, a, a huge amount of money based on assets or whatever, it does require, it, it can require uh, that uh, a CPA to do it. But you're a little bit of an anomaly in that you've done a lot of things and you've never, never used it. Uh, depends on the lender. Right? Depends on the lender. And, uh, and sometimes it depends on the, the amount, not just your credit rating, but the amount of uh, equity mm -hmm. that you have. Like if, if somebody would borrow... Uh, if they have uh, assets of uh, of a hundred thousand dollars and they borrow, you know, ninety five thousand on there, well, then you need some. So you sure but if you're only there. borrowing twenty, twenty five, thirty thousand mm -hmm. on there, the bank says, "Oh goodness sakes, we got triple the or double the whatever whatever mm -hmm. it is." It's it's really not necessary. So just so long as the the bank uh, is is covered, that's fine. My accounting firm, uh, we don't provide anything at all to the bank primarily because well we don't have debt for it and if you don't have any debt at all uh, shout out to dave ramsey if anybody listens to mm -hmm. dave ramsey it'd be debt-free living if you if you don't deal with a bank in terms of loans they're they're not going to ask for it mm -hmm. because they don't they don't actually need it uh, though some loans officer probably might ask for it just from a technical perspective or something like that, but they're not going to boot you out. 
more than likely. No. And if they do, just go to another bank. There's nothing wrong with flipping to another bank when one becomes ridiculous because it, it does happen that you get weird loans officers and stuff like that. So I do respect CPAs greatly uh, because there are some, uh, some that have expertise that I absolutely do not have and I never will have the level of expertise they do. There are even, uh, I can foresee situations that I'm going to be in where I'm going to need a CPA. Um, I can be an expert at lease owner operators and absolutely I can all the way to Supreme Court know what I'm doing there, but I'm not a big, uh, I don't know that much about, you know, other industries, other yeah. industries, it, whether it's capital development or anything, uh, uh, anything of, of a different nature. Uh, it is really important to have somebody who really knows what they're doing in that area, in, in mm -hmm. that area. There is no accountant that knows everything <laughs> on everything that is just not out there. The, the, the income tax act is just far too, far too vast. So you should have your experts and your mentors and your counsel that uh, uh, in the areas that that you uh, definitely need let's talk about uh, I've talked about this a little bit before but talk about liability a CPA legally can be held liable for the returns especially if they sign off on it not necessarily a notice to reader but like a full audit and stuff like that they can uh, uh, become liable for it in the independent operator industry though uh, I have never heard of a single uh, accountant being held liable for something that was done wrong. And I do not believe the courts would enforce something. And uh, if somebody tries to make a CPA liable for a $5,000 uh, uh, tax bill or error or something like that, that's ridiculous. It's going to cost you ten grand to try and get five grand from somebody. It's uh, Our industry is just far too small, far too... Hate, to use the word irrelevant, but it, our fees are way too small. Our liabilities are way too small for uh, any of that to happen on a general basis. There is another issue when it comes to um, when you're looking for an accountant, you ask an accountant, um, do you stand behind the return that you, that you uh, file? And a lot of them will say, yes, we stand behind it. Uh, we defend it to CRA. Well, what does that actually mean to defend it to Canada Revenue Agency? Does that mean that the account is going to go to the Supreme Court on their dime? They pay for absolutely everything. Or does it just mean that the accountant, once it's audited, the accountant will argue with the auditor to a certain point? And that's generally what's, what it's meant by defendant. They will argue with the auditor, either uh, accepts the accountant's position or bookkeeper's position. But if the auditor says, no, we're not going to do it and keep on going, the next process on that is an appeal. And who pays for that appeal? Generally speaking, it would almost always be the, the client, the independent operator. There are a few accountants who just on principle alone would uh, would do it under their own dime. Like I know one guy who did it just because he was really t t ticked off at the uh, at the auditor. Um, but uh, um, that's that's very very rare. 
and uh, generally speaking, almost every situation, the independent operator takes on all of the liability. The only exception, and again, that's our firm, we guarantee uh, non-taxable benefits as filed, which is 95% of all of the tax savings right there. Everything else, whatever is handled in or so, handed in for paperwork, um, we may defend it face to face, but uh, if they reject that, that's a different different yeah. process. And uh, it, it rarely happens because the independent operator uh, business, the business model, it's actually very simple. You got one truck depreciating at a certain rate and uh, um, you got maybe two dozen transactions a month. It's very simple. It's And uh, there's very few areas of contention, especially if, if our clients would uh, do what we say, like your personal vehicle log, and there's l way less paperwork in a personal vehicle log uh, being paid cents per mile than it is to, you know, keep all of your food receipts and stuff like that. So that's generally how we operate. When somebody is interviewing accountant, and we, we've had a little bit of experience with this in your business, we went to one accounting firm and uh, interviewed them, and they gave us their criteria for what needs to be done for your very specific situation. And then we went to another one, uh, which most people actually probably don't do because they say, well, okay, we went through all of this process, but we went to another one and we actually get a different sort of a slant to it. One of the questions I think you asked the accountant is how have you defended this to Canada Revenue Agency? And in reality, they say, well, you know, we've always been successful. Well, what does it mean to be successful? You have you ever gone to court? And we realize they, they've, they've never, never gone to court with it. The question is, uh, really, who are they working for? You know, if they're building a firm so that they don't have any problems whatsoever, any conflict whatsoever with Canada Revenue Agency, are you overpaying or will you or potentially will you overpay because they just don't want any conflict whatsoever with CRA. So they'll present the most conservative aspect of it of your situation. Then we went to the other firm and uh, it was a little bit different. Did they say that they went to court either? They didn't either. They didn't either. Where was the one that, that said two out of three? That was uh, a, a different firm. A different firm uh, in Toronto. In Toronto. Yeah. The, that said, yeah, okay. Basically it said two out of three cases, they, they win. win. Yes. And that actually says that they actually go, they're they, totally they're willing and able to, to, go, to, to go to court with it. Yeah. Uh, that is, is you, you actually have somebody actually in your corner. That makes a humongous difference. Now, the fees must be, also <laughs> must be high. <laughs> high. <laughs> yeah. If they, yeah. if they go to court, I mean, you're, yeah. you're looking at minimum 10 grand, but probably or more, more like, like 20, 30, 30, 50, yeah, 50, uh, or, or more. Yeah. Uh, it has to be a big number that, it has to, <laughs> yeah, it, it that really you're dealing does. with in order to yeah. make so that You have work. to know the industry that you're in and what you're actually dealing with your situation was actually, I understood it, but it was, it was so complicated. I, I understood the numbers and I understood what needed, wanted to be done. Uh, but I didn't know all of the different ways to present it. And that's why I suggest we go to a CPA to provide your different options, uh, in there. 
And realistically, there's no way that I would ever want to defend an issue that I didn't have full confidence in. Mm. But I mean, that's the accounting industry. Um, and realistically, you want to have an accountant that uh, is not afraid of CRA mm -hmm. uh, or doesn't have policies that's there that will never, ever be contested. You have to be confident and not blindly confident. Yeah. You still have to understand what they're doing. I have a friend who um, bought and sold a, a particular asset and it was very significant and he figured, oh my goodness, I'm going to I'm going to be paying lots of uh, lots of taxes and he went to his accountant and long story short he he paid nothing or very very uh, very little to it and I said well when you when you do that how how did he uh how did he do it he said I don't know and I thought uh no you should know <laughs> you can't just you yeah. can't just delegate that completely to him yeah. and he said well he's a he's a good guy well what does that mean a good guy like that could be anything, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, I knew the guy too, and I knew he wasn't lying, but he has to understand how he did it, you know, and it doesn't make any difference if you sit there for two hours until you actually understand, you have to understand what you're doing. Uh, and a good business person, if they don't understand it, they won't do it. They should never do it because you really have to know the ground that you're standing on. I encouraged him to say, look, go back to him and see how he did it. Maybe there was some, you know, capital, lifetime capital gains things that he applied or something like that, because everybody has their own, uh, what is it, lifetime capital gains limit or something. What is it? I think it's six or 800,000 or something like that. I don't even know, can't remember what, what it is. But uh, if he used portions of it, well, at least he knows that, you know, and he said, okay, well, now I only have X amount of dollars left in the full thing. So understanding what you're doing is actually critical. You cannot blindly delegate it, no matter what, in my opinion, anyway. Non-designated tax preparers. Um, I have a fair bit of experience. I'm actually not a, a designated, I, do, I don't have a CPA. I have an MBA. I could have been uh, one if I wanted to, but once I did some studying into um, um, comparing, there was two different kinds. One, I could have been a, either a CGA or a CMA. And uh, once I got into it, I realized uh, at the highest level, like the last year, year and a half of it, a lot of it had to do with politics. And I got so turned off with it. I said, I, you know, like, look, they, they both know very good information on this, uh, um, but they were conflicting. Like, for instance, Ontario has a much higher acceptance of chartered accountants whereas the West has a much higher uh, acceptance of certified general accounts, CGAs. And if you wanted to go all across Canada, um, you're going to have abilities in one place and not abilities in the other. And, and like, it's not that at the time I, was, I knew I was going to be going across Canada, but realistically, uh, that type of politics, they all, there's ex excellent uh, accountants, no matter what designation they're under. So I, uh, but I, I didn't like the politics and I'm glad I would have let my designation go given what I'm doing. I, I don't need it, nor do I ever see myself ever needing it. It's not, it's not something that, that I would need, uh, to adequately serve the independent operator industry. So, but I do, I do, I do respect the CPAs, but there's an awful, I think the majority of independent operators get their taxes done at non-designated, uh, individuals. 
you know what, even some independent operators that go to a CPA firm, the CPA is not going to be doing the paperwork for the independent operator. They hire somebody and get them to do it. And then uh, they may look over it at the end of the year, but uh, my guess is a lot of them don't. There are some, uh, we've taken over clients from CPA firms. Some of the way, what things have been filed, there's things that don't even balance that should balance. Mm. And you could tell that, oh my goodness, this was not done by an accountant that really knew what they were doing. This was, uh, we have to do a whole bunch of corrections to make sure that uh, that things balance. And uh, it's, it's not a reflection of the CPA other than the, the fact that they're not overseeing anything. So about 20% don't balance that mm-hmm. comfort to mm-hmm. us. That's a huge percentage yeah. of people who are, are using CPAs. They're not even getting their dollars worth, mm-hmm. you know, uh, on there. So, and there are some basement bookkeepers and, you know, st- strip mall guys who have their own firms or whatever. Excellent. They can do, you know, balance everything mm-hmm. right down to the penny. Everything is, everything is perfect. So you have good CPAs and you have bad CPAs and realistically, the, the even the moderate to the good ones they're in other industries mm-hmm. and uh, they don't focus on the and again like you said before they don't specialize in one particular thing now they're dealing with all kinds of things and maybe doing somebody's taxes that they're not familiar with that industry yeah and where you specialize in one industry and you're very good at it yeah and and i'm very confident in right. in i i know this stuff because there's sometimes guys who come up and says, look, I'm going to buy a new truck because I want to keep my taxes down. Well, that's not the reason to buy a new truck. It used to be. Oh. Years ago. When I first started. Oh, in the, okay. It, I, I understand that point uh, um, to, to some degree. The newer truck, like we were discussing this the other day. In 19, what is it, 1995, everything went from mechanical to electrical? Uh, or 94. 94. When it went from mechanical to electrical, there was basically a one to one and a half mile per gallon better fuel economy so the newer vehicles were much better uh in in cash flow starting in maybe 2001 to 2007 somewhere in there Mm -hmm. when all of the pollution control devices came in the fuel economy actually started going down it did yeah and so buying a new truck exactly opposite of the you know 2004 2005 difference yeah why would you buy a brand new piece of equipment and have worse cash flow that's a big big problem and now it started to turn around a little bit in 2019 to 18 19 20 in there when the newer models started getting better fuel economy again that's a real unusual issue if you can get but if you have a, a brand new truck and, a, and an old truck both getting the exact same fuel economy and your maintenance issue is is under control with the with the old one i would much rather pay taxes than to upgrade into a new truck especially with the price of the new trucks nowadays it's ridiculous from an asset perspective there's in my opinion fuel economy and maintenance are the only issues to do it taxes should not be the reason why somebody buys a a newer truck i'd say 98 (laughs) percent 98 percent of the time it's it's it, it should have nothing to do with it i had a client in a different province, they had a very specialized uh, work that they did, and they they were getting high margins. And he would buy specific trucks that were high value, and then every three or four years he would 
flip it into another high high value truck. Uh, fuel actually was less of a of an issue for him because his margins were so high. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that regards, he made money on the purchase and resale of his truck, but he really knew what he was doing. It's either he lucked out, but every time he he sold his truck, his depreciation was, I guess you would say, uh, minimal in that regards. So there are examples where I'm, I'm proven wrong. And, and and it is wrong. Maybe old, see, back in the 1990s, even 1980s, it almost made sense where you could buy a truck, drive it till the warranty was off, and then take the equity in it yep. and <clears throat> put it into a new one, and then and you keep on doing it. And eventually, and it takes a good 10, 15 years or so, um, you, you don't have to uh, borrow anymore because uh, you have enough money uh and you and you own it free and clear, mm-hmm. but those numbers aren't there anymore. No, the truck values have increased far too much. Depreciation goes down. It's just not there anymore. Well, the fuel mileage when the computers came in back in '94, I had a '96. The fuel mileage was absolutely exceptional. It almost it was almost well, it was probably one at least one third more than what my, my previous truck was. Which is huge. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, it makes the payment of the truck. Yeah. But the maintenance wasn't there like it is today. Yeah. We are now back up like 08, uh, 08 to, to late 10 when they came in with the regen system. They were absolutely brutal. They were worse than the oh, first trucks terrible. we bought, the mechanical yeah. ones. Yeah. And a lot of guys lost their shirts on those. Yeah. I had a client who... Uh, one year, they bought a brand new truck, and within a year, they spent $30,000 on the regen. No, it was the third year. They, they just ran out of the warranty. They spent 30000 on on their pollution control. The next year, $40,000, and then they sold the truck. All the equity they had there, it was gone, and yeah. uh, it, they had to borrow money to get out of the out of the industry. Pollution control can absolutely kill an independent operator. The new trucks are getting very, very good fuel mileage again. Yeah. Very good. But... Where the, the guys are spending the money is is on the pollution uh, mm-hmm. stuff. The, the wiring system on the trucks now is half the thickness that it was before. So you're having a lot of wiring issues, a lot of sensor issues, uh, which can be very expensive. A friend of mine broke down in in Pennsylvania, and just uh, they had to replace a sensor, and they didn't have the sensor. But that sensor cost him eight thousand dollars. Oh mm, man! Because he had to get the truck and trailer towed because he was on on inter- interstate. Oh yeah. And the sensor itself was like four or five hundred dollars, but then they had to bypass the sensor mm. in order to get home, and then they had to redo the, all the work back home again. It ended up costing them over ten thousand dollars for a four hundred dollar sensor. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So the the fuel mileage, yeah, it's it's great now, but maintenance issues. I mean, is huge, back yeah. when I was driving with my wife uh, to rebuild an engine, we we totally rebuilt an engine. I think we did. Eleven and a half or twelve thousand dollars. I mean, that was yep. mm-hmm. right front to back. Well, now it's like what thirty five, forty thousand dollars. Forty is very on the low side. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's well, Cummins. Uh, I talked to a guy just recently, the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're rebuilding uh, a two thousand and nineteen. That's uh, got a Cummins engine in it. Sixty five thousand dollars. Wow. Like yeah, yeah it, it's amazing. Yeah, 
and that, that uh, hurts. Like for yeah, for a, hurts. a normal operator, a 2019, you're you're just off of that warranty, or you you might be might still have warranty, but uh, if you got to do that off warranty, yeah, you can't afford to fix that truck. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't afford, but can you then walk away from that and 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 purchase a hundred and eighty two hundred thousand dollar truck? No. Uh, I say, you know what? It's better. Sixty-five thousand is better than nothing. Yeah. You know, at least it increases the value of the uh, of the truck because you got a rebuilt engine now. That thing will last you four, five, six years. Yeah, even Something. back back in in the early '90s, mid '90s, uh, the maintenance wasn't that big of an issue, so anybody yeah. could drive a truck. But now, with the new equipment, you can't not know nothing. Yeah, it's it's a business that you're running. You've got to treat it like that, and you've got to you've got to know what your your equipment is doing. Yeah. Because if you don't know anything about the equipment, it's gonna really really hurt you. Like like we were talking yesterday. Yeah. Uh, there's guys that don't even take screwdrivers along in the truck. Yeah. Like they don't know anything, and I'm under my truck every week. Yeah. And looking at different things. Like I I got into a DOT inspection last year, uh, twice in six weeks. Uh, same same scale and uh the first thing the guy asked me when he opened the hood he said who does the service on your truck i said i do he said i can tell oh yeah <laughs> just by opening the hood and uh, six weeks later he called me in for an inspection again and they had a new officer that was they were training and uh, the first one was 45 minutes the second one was an hour and a half mm -hmm. and i asked the guy i said why did you call me in again i said i passed with flying colors before he said, I wanted to show this officer what, <laughs> what, what, what a, a well-maintained truck looked like. Yeah. And, and that is very important yeah. because it can cost you so much money. And it's not just driving a truck anymore. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a real business. You, you really have to know what, to, what you're doing. You're dealing with, you know, hundreds, a couple hundred, uh, hundred to $200,000 worth of assets sometimes if you buy a brand new truck. Well, 150 to 200. And you, if you don't know anything at all yeah. about it, maybe you should learn some other industry. <laughs> well, you know what, even like we found yesterday, we were looking for something specific um, that we were going to need down the road here. And so we went on YouTube and, and we spent a couple of hours um, looking at YouTube videos on how this was done. Uh, so you can do it efficiently. Mm -hmm. uh, the same thing with trucks. You can go on YouTube and find oh, sure. out. Yeah. Like guys are always posting stuff on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, what what to look for to kind of troubleshoot it yourself yeah like what where's this sensor what does that sensor do um like when you do your pre-trip your your air brake endorsement you got to know how that air brake system works yeah. it's not just it's not just the brake drum or the brake shoes that stop that vehicle mm -hmm. there's a lot of components that that have to work together and where are those components and what do those components do and it's the same thing with the new vehicles and you can save yourself so much more money and another thing is if you can rent a shop or have your own shop that that truck is warm uh, when oh, you come home, yeah. that is huge. Yeah. That's huge. You may think, well, the truck's still running up and down the road. I can, what, what's the difference? It's outside. But mm. it makes yeah. a huge difference. Makes a huge difference for sure. Yeah. Okay. Back to accountants. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> went good, on good, no, yeah, no, there's good, nice, got nice rabbit trail. Um, I've been in the industry for long enough to know that there are many different uh, bookkeepers, not non-CPAs. And uh, some of them are excellent and some of them are not. 
Um, I have a fair bit of experience, not a fair bit, but there's, there's, it's, it's kind of rare, but it is definitely out there for uh, uh, bookkeepers who lie, just flat out lie. There was a, I won't mention the city, but there was a city where uh, a bunch of uh, operators were getting uh, one bookkeeper to do uh, their, and very few people paid any taxes at all. Very, very little taxes. And uh, all of them, and they thought they just thought that this guy was the, you know, he really knew what he was doing. And it, it was quite a few years. All of a sudden, they, they get audited, and uh, and and the real question was, okay, there there was receipts ver from the statement very clearly for X amount of dollars in fuel, and um, uh, on the income statement, and but on the on the uh, um, income. The income tax form, there was exactly thirty thousand dollars more in fuel mm. oh. than what the actual invoices had, mm. uh -huh. and so it was very very clear. All the guy did was just add thirty thousand dollars there, so right. the guy didn't have to pay taxes, taxes. right? Well, the auditor looks and says, "Well, where's the thirty thousand dollars? Oh, him, ha, him, ha," yeah. and uh, bottom line is, is three or four months later, the guy just disappears, right? Mm. But he's got like. 30 or 40 uh, independent operators now. Mm. They're all audited and they're all reassessed and they all owe money and it's a terrible situation. That does happen. It's rare, but it does happen. Now, even locally here, there was a, in, in our city around here, there was a lady who uh, would only meet people at Tim Hortons. Nobody knew where she lived. Nobody mm. knew where their paperwork was. And no one like that in Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, if you brought the paperwork to them, you know, uh, or to her, they, then uh, she would uh, um, go do it. Nobody paid any taxes or very little taxes, you know, that kind of thing. And there was one one client uh, who who got us to do a pap paperwork, and we went, we, we did his taxes and uh, showed him how much he owed, and he said, oh, that's too much. And I said, well, it is, know, it, is. it is what it is, you know. He says, do you mind if I go to this other person? I says, no, by, by all means. You know, go and, and see what they do. So he brings it to this person, and then he comes back and he says, look, this person saved me $4,000. I said, what? $4,000? Do you mind me taking a look at what they did? Yeah, really. Not a problem. Brings it in, and I look at it, and I say, okay. Look, look what happened here. First of all, there was a month where there was no deposit, uh, because the expenses were uh, above the miles. I guess they missed the cutoff date or something mm -hmm. like this, and they had a whole bunch of miles that they didn't hand in on time, so they missed it. Uh, so there was some miles, but not all of it. And, uh, um, and then the next month, um, there was a big check, um, but it was in the next year. Mm. Okay. So she just pushed it over. So, yeah. So she she didn't he or whatever it was, um, they didn't claim that revenue at all. So it's basically it was a month and a half oh, where okay. they didn't have any revenue at all that was claimed, but there was some expenses that that, that were yeah. utilized. And I said, can you see that? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, so in other words, what that person was doing is basically fraud because they're not following accounting principles, basic accounting principles, and they're not matching revenue with expenses. And this, if it's ever audited, is not going to pass. And, uh, and he said, I, I see. I says, are you going to use them or are you going to use us? <laughs> he used them. Really? Yeah, them. he left. 
He left, and I, I, I don't think I. Well, yeah, fourth. He'll 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 risk it. Mm. So realistically, he got somebody else to lie for him, and somehow in his mind he says, "Well, then I'm not lying," you know, or something like that, <laughs> yeah. you know. Or, uh, I mean, basically he was he was okay with lying to the government. I've been in the industry for over well over two two decades, uh, approaching even three decades, and uh, I have seen people lie on their taxes almost universally not all the time but when i've actually seen people do it um most of them almost all of them get away with it in actually lying to the government uh because only in self-employed 15 percent of people are audited only 15 percent and in corporations only five percent are audited so chances are you're going to get away with it or a, a lot of it and uh but I have watched these people over 10, 15, 20 years, and are they any further ahead in 20 years mm -mm. than, uh, and, and, they, and they have this capability of, of lying? No. But it's the ones who are honest and do the right thing, and if there is a bill, they pay it and move on. Some of those guys are, they're, they're worth, you know, six you know, mid six figures after 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I do not believe at all that cheating uh, brings long-term value. Immediately it might, but long-term, not. Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest, um, I think, policies that I enacted, this is a long time ago, is we don't do anything under the table. We don't, uh, we don't, people don't come to us and say, look, I'll, I'll give you $500, don't claim it anywhere on taxes or anything like that. We don't do any of that at all. Um, and uh, I do, the accounting industry, it's very, very easy. If you do even, especially personal income tax returns, you know, for, you know, ever, you know, a hundred bucks or $150 or something like that, you can get somebody to do it and, uh, and you don't have to, you know, if you just say, here, I'll do it, give it, give you a hundred dollars, do my personal income tax return. And, uh, the guy doesn't claim it at all on his, like the accountant doesn't mm -hmm. claim it at all, uh, on, uh, on income. That is actually, unfortunately it's, it's quite common. There's quite a, quite a bit of that going on because it can, you like, there is no, there is not a whole lot of uh, uh, scrutiny in there. Really, that's cheating. That's that's lying, and that under the table stuff. Um, a couple decades ago, I said we don't want any of that, and so we claim everything. So if somebody gives us five dollars for something, I just run the taxes uh, implied through there, and I believe it has long-term beneficial effects on there. Well, that's one of the first questions I asked you. Yeah. I told you I want nothing in the black. I want nothing in the in the red or nothing in the yellow. Yeah, I don't want nothing. Nobody coming back on me. Yeah, do it legally. Yeah, it's it legally is 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 where you, how you get ahead. It's not the it's not the corner cutting. Every accountant has their own standard. It used to be, for instance, that the accountant uh, declares exactly what uh, what they'll accept and what they don't accept because they uh, they were the gatekeepers. Um, especially when it comes to non-taxable benefits. This is one of the problems with non-taxable benefits. The gatekeeper is not the accountant. It's the combination of both the accountant and the independent operator. The independent operator has to follow the plan in mm -hmm. order for it to actually work. And accountants are not uh, willing to share 
the liability or share the responsibility of, of the gatekeepers. I've talked to probably about a dozen and a half, two dozen accountants all across Canada. Uh, you write a book, you write articles, and eventually accountants call and say, you know, what, what are you doing here? And explain it. I can explain non-taxable benefits to um, a knowledgeable uh, uh, accountant in probably three to four minutes, and they understand what, what it is. And they, oh, okay, that's what you're doing. I can, I can, I can understand how you would, okay, technicality is fine. And then I ask, are you going to use the system? And invariably, they say no. He says there's too much liability and there's not enough margin in the industry to cover that, which is true. Like that's, that's, uh, it's true. There is low. You, it does make sense if you specialize in it and you do it in volume. Correct. 10, 20, 50, even 100 or 150. It doesn't make sense to, uh, to do that. The, the risk levels are far too high. You have to, you have to have hundreds and hundreds of them and be able to have a system uh, mostly based on technology in order to fully implement uh, imp implement it properly. I guess that's a question you could ask if you're looking for an accountant. You could ask the accountant, do you specialize in a specific field? If you ask them, oftentimes, because the, the trucking industry is so simple, they say, oh, they, oh yeah, I specialize in it. Mm. You know, Or you, you don't really have to specialize because it's pretty e easy. Um, the only problem is the vast majority of uh, of bookkeepers and uh, uh, and CPAs don't uh, fully understand and uh, non-taxable benefits as it's applied to trucking. They will understand it, you know, uh, from other industries and stuff like this. That's why it only takes three or four minutes to explain it to somebody. Oh, okay, that's how you're doing it, whatever, you know. But uh, um, um, most basement bookkeepers have not done the research mm, no, uh, in, in order to do it. And and it is. It took me part-time study. It took me two years to fully understand all of the ramifications, lots of different implications for everything. And uh, it's not really a cakewalk. And then you have to develop uh, the technology around fully applying it. It is, I mean, we've been at this, you know, technology-wise, five or six years full-time. We have full-time tech guys doing this, you know. It's it's not a cakewalk, but I enjoy doing it. I like to talk about audits and reviews for a bit. In the in the accounting industry, I mean, I grew up. My dad was a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I said this before. I'll say it again anyway. My dad was didn't trust the government very much at all. If somebody used the word audit, and or if he thought he was going to get audited, or if he was audited, oh, they're out to get me. Oh, they're out to get me. Oh, they're out to get me. Um, and. Uh, um, it it did rub off on I me. Mean, you grow grow up in that. You you you're very suspect of, about the government. And then I get into the accounting industry, and so I, I open an accounting firm, and now you're audited. Audit is not necessarily an automatic. Oh, we think you're guilty. Actually, the vast majority of all audits are just uh, well, okay, just routine stuff. But I didn't know this, you know. So auditors would come and and uh, I'd get all panicking and and oh my goodness you know what are we going to do and looking over and sweating or whatever and it rubs off on the auditor the auditor looks at you and you go what's this guy hiding kind of a thing you know <laughs> and i and i realized if i was going to stay in the accounting industry i have to change my mindset yeah. i have to say okay wait a minute these guys are not out to get me out to get me and uh, they're not the enemy 
These guys are just doing a job, and then at the end of the day, they go home to their family. Mm-hmm. It's just normal. And uh, so I had to change my mindset to say 95% of all of the audits that I, uh, auditors that I'll ever meet are really just straightforward, nice guys doing their, doing their job, and they go home to their families. It's the 2 to 5% that are a little bit, uh, how do I say, aggressive or a little bit radical and or or, or that there's there's very few of them and there's and and then you just find the way to get around them once you once you find okay we've seen this guy we know what he's doing we'll just go go around him and uh, go through an appeal and and whatever and and, and get it get it done that way that is a, a lot of people should understand that uh an audit mo- the vast majority of all audits are just routine they're just like they're here to verify this, here to verify that, and 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 uh, and and everything should be should be fine on that. And realistically, especially um, even in our firm, you know, fifty percent of all of our clients who are audited don't even know that they're audited. We just handle it and and, uh, and off and rolling. Actually, the the biggest problems in the uh, at CRA, the real uh, people that you have to watch out for. You, we probably never meet them. Uh, we we meet the frontline guys, and uh, they're the ones who are generally are much more reasonable. It's it's the higher up guys. There's a few small details I'd like to uh, uh, just go through when it comes to uh, expenses, uh, home expenses, for instance. There's a certain amount of of people who say, "Oh man, my my accountant does home expenses," and uh, that's great. Uh, everybody pretty much does home expenses. It's a straight line in there. And uh, realistically, the, the, the regulations on it is pretty straightforward. Whatever square footage your house is, that, square, uh, that percentage is applied to the invoices. And there's certain things that you can't put in there. Like if you renovate your kitchen for $30,000, you can't put a percentage of that as an expense for your business. So there has to be a certain amount of uh, realistic in there. There are some things you can do. For instance, if you're parking the truck on your driveway and it's a questionable driveway and you put some gravel or and beef it up so that your your truck works out that's a very bit different issue than uh, renovating your your kitchen kind of a thing um, there's a few small details about the business your non-taxable benefit is actually different from meals and entertainment a lot of people uh, think that they're the same but let's say for instance uh, if you have an employee and you you go out and and you have a meal with them and you're talking about stuff that can be an expense for the that has nothing to do with your non-taxable benefits okay uh, so there are certain things that uh, an individual does now it, it's all done within reason if you don't have an employee that 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 could be an issue then you, you try and be reasonable on there. There are some industries that have huge meals and entertainment uh, uh, budgets, but that's industry specific. The independent operator business, I mean, you're not trying to attract the world kind of a thing. It's your, look, you're operating a business. And so there's common sense approach to to things that that people have to uh, do. There is an issue. There are income tax um, rules uh, like uh, the Income Tax Act, it's law, but a lot of what we deal with is actually regulation. I'll give you I'll give you an example on here: gifts, uh, especially around Christmas time. People want to hand out gifts and stuff like this. 
uh, it used there there used to be a whole long formula for things and what's what's allowable and what's not allowable. What's allowable now is any you can give a gift that's valued under five hundred dollars, provided it does not have monetary value. Um, you can give away a, a four hundred and ninety nine dollar barbecue, and it's non taxable to the recipient. And it's tax deductible for the business. To give somebody a $10 Tim Hortons gift, that's taxable to the individual receiving it because it has a monetary value to it. Hmm. Um, there's some guys, for instance, you buy Jack Daniels every you know Christmas or something like that. That has no monetary value, but you can uh, definitely give it out. And because it, it's less than $500 value. Now, those are the regulations. Now, it, what, what would happen if somebody would buy Jack Daniels every single month, all, 12 times a year, and say they give it away to the, the dispatcher? Well, when you're giving a gift, the f- one thing you have to do is you have to put the name of the recipient on your gift. Some auditors even ask for uh, the social insurance number. Of oh, the individual, wow. Mm. wow! But not necessarily. Uh, I've seen them ignore that uh, too. Depends on. I mean, if you do it every single month and it, it becomes a significant, yeah, then yeah. then they're probably going to ask for the social insurance number for it. Um, but if you if you give a ten dollar Tim Hortons card away, you have to have the social insurance number on there because. That has monetary value, and that's a tax. Like my social insurance number. Or yeah, the if I would give you ten, uh, the recipients. Oh wow! If I would give if I would give you a ten dollar Tim Hortons card, um, I would have to put your social insurance number, and you would have to claim that on your income tax act you receive ten dollars. Do you think anybody does that? No, very few, <laughs> <laughs> very few. But those that's that, re- is, that real. is required. That is required. It wow. is absolutely required. Because I've given a lot of. Oh yeah, gift cards away. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it used to be probably. But I don't claim them though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah, that's, that's different. Uh, yeah. That would be that would be different. But uh, but if, for people who do it and use it as an expense for the company, um, um, you ha- you have to do that. Now, if you don't do that, like again, if you if you hand out, you know, hundred and twenty dollars worth of these uh, Tim Horton cards. Is an auditor going to go through all the process to write you up and then reverse all of that? All you know the paperwork involved in reversing something yeah, like it's, that. It's, not right, it's yeah, it, and the it, it'll be maybe work uh, 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 non taxability. The the tax implications maybe twenty thirty dollars or something like that. Did you have to pay tax? It's not worth it for the auditor to do that. So but, but technically they can. So I'll bring that into the trucking industry. Uh, does that work? Like for you, it would it, you maybe do it more often than a truck driver would. Like we get a lot of that. Truck well, drivers giving lot. gifts. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, by a lot. I mean, especially at Christmas time. Like to customers or to no dispatchers, uh, employees. A lot of that in employees. Now, as soon as, as it, like we had one person, uh, I, I'll change the number a bit. Four thousand dollar gift, and uh, it was like a watch. Get somebody gave uh, somebody a four thousand dollar gift and handed in the receipt. 
when we say, okay, wait a minute, if you're going to hand in this receipt, we need to know the social insurance number for you to 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 do this. They did not like that. (laughs) uh, But uh, it is the requirement on there. Well, they said, well, it was a gift. We should be able to write it all off. You can write it all off, but the auditor needs to know who received that gift so that they can claim it as a personal income. Yeah, in there. It is, it is, you know what, really, when you look at it, it's reasonable. Okay. Because what would stop me from saying, your wife is a, uh, is an employee, and so you, you buy a, you know, $10,000 car, and you gift it, and you gift it to her, you know? Uh, That's, I mean, it defies common sense. One of the best ways to figure out whether something's realistic or not is to work on an extreme case and say, is, do you think that's reasonable? And then just bring it down to the to, mm-hmm. to what it's normal, and because then it would be you know a ten thousand dollar expense to the corporation, and it would be tax free to her. That's the implication on it, and that just doesn't work out. Yeah. That uh, that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty disastrous. It is an issue sometimes. I think I even wrote in in a book about an unusual thing, and that was like pets. Uh, there are some people who write off pet food, which is ridiculous, but anyway, uh, but. Technically speaking, what you can do is if you have a dog that is a security for your truck, you know, it keeps your it keeps your truck, technically you can. And But technically at the same time, an auditor can say, where's the training that this dog was actually uh, mm. um, trained as a security dog, you know? Yeah, my Bichon is a guard dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Realistically, there was one auditor uh, who, who said that. We don't where's the picture. And he says, try and get into the truck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then the dog was in there. And okay. And uh, when people, when the auditor allows people to get away with stuff like this, and then they tell everybody and everybody yep. finds yep. out about it, the implication is, oh, yeah, it can, it can, it can be done. Mm-hmm. And realistically, no. It, it's really up to the auditor to uh, to make the judgment call, and he didn't have to go into the truck. If you don't have the papers, he can disallow it. So they have a lot of autonomy, and that's why uh, there's a lot of disinformation out there because people are are a little bit uh, uh, they they share things that are only half true sometimes in, in that re- regards too. So choosing a, a an accountant is hopefully this has helped people understand that uh, uh, choosing it. There are some great people, but it's not the actual accountant that saves you cash or saves you taxes. It's the system that you use. Hmm. Because in theory, everybody uses the same system. Once they use the same system, everybody should get the same number, uh, realistically. There's only something, uh, if they don't get the same number, somebody's standards are different. and, And then you have to decide whether those standards are appropriate or not. Are they reasonable? Are they, uh, or are they not reasonable? But you could also have five auditors uh, auditing the same year, same year. They would all come up with different numbers. Yeah, too. they could. It like very it, much. It, like it is such a an uneven it's, playing field. It is. It is. Like, like we were talking about uh, uh, the TL two when uh, twenty five trucks out of Moncton, New Brunswick, were audited, and they disallowed the independent operators the TL two. Everyone had to pay $2,500 and accountants all across Canada said, now you have to start keeping meal receipts and some didn't and, and stuff like this. Since then, I've received people who say, yeah, my TL2 was, uh, was disallowed. I'm going to come over to your firm. Okay, no problem. And yet I know auditors in a different province 
who are training truck drivers to use the TL2, while in other areas and districts, they were being shut down because Correct. of it. Yep. So it's it, there there's disinformation, yeah, disinformation yeah. and inconsistency. And inconsistency. Yeah, it's, it's probably. A, but uh, uh, that is the industry, and it's not pure black and white. But I think even industry. if you went to five different accountants, it would be kind of the same thing. Yeah, because sometimes they have their diff- slightly different standards yep. uh, yeah, yeah, in there. Yeah, that's for sure. I think sure. it's like that in every, every industry. profession. I told a customs officer that one day, I said, "Why don't you guys all play by the same rules?" He <laughs> said, "We do." I said, "No, you don't." Yeah. I said, "You, you're, you're saying something totally different than what I was told last week." Yeah. Uh, it, it's like that everywhere. So yeah. it, you got to just gotta. What I think. Roll with too, the punches. What feels, what, no, what feels right for you? Like for you'll, when you when you get to the accountant, I think you'll you'll know. Yeah. That this one. Like we went to when we went to that first accountant, you know. And they kind of talked down to us, mm-hmm. you know, like we f- kind of felt like uh, you don't know we, we're children. We, we know everything. We, we know we everything. Know everything. And, uh, yeah. Okay. I'd rather work with some of this second one. He was actually a really nice guy. Yeah. And uh, I really appreciate it, even though we didn't end up using it. it, it you have to really meld with the, uh, with the guy and, and feel comfortable with them, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it's a big industry. It's a respect. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for stopping by Making Your Miles Count. For further Making Your Miles Count productions, call us at 877-987-9787 or download us at makingyourmilescount.com.